Securities offered through Kestra Investment Services, LLC. Kestra IS, member FINRA SIPC. Investment advisory services offered through Kestra Advisory Services, LLC. Kestra AS, an affiliate of Kestra IS. Capital Advisory Group, Inc. is not affiliated with Kestra IS or Kestra AS. Neither Kestra IS nor Kestra AS provide legal or tax advice and are not certified public accounting firms. You work hard for your money. For the next hour, you're going to learn how to keep what's yours. Capital Advisory Group presents Keep What's Yours. Here are Josh Gilbert and Jeff Zufall. Hello and welcome to Keep What's Yours with Jeff Zufall. I'm Josh Gilbert sitting here with Jeff Zufall, Senior Tax Strategist and Wealth Advisor with Capital Advisory Group. And welcome by the phone today, Jeff. Thank you. Welcome, welcome. <laughs> how you doing there? I'm doing great just a beautiful day yeah it really is and we're going to talk about a lot of stuff today but i want to mention that when we had jeff on the sh the afternoon show the heidi glouse show with yeah. josh gilbert uh that's me and uh, jeff <laughs> joined us last week and talked about money dysmorphia and record credit card debt we're going to get into that on this show as well and i think i teased it on thursday that we would do it. So I definitely want to hit it and maybe even do a deeper dive than what we did during the week. So that'll yeah. be one of the topics that we talk about today on this show. But some things happening in the news, and it looks like we are going to kick the can down the road a little bit further and fund the government for just a couple more months. Heaven forbid <laughs> we fund it for a year in advance, but no, we'll just fund it for the next two yeah. months and then have another fight. Just a couple months, yeah. And uh, and part of that funding, I think, was uh, they, they, the aid to Israel. Um, they're trying to take it from, the, the, I think it's $14.3 billion, and they're trying to take it from the dollars that were given to the IRS. So instead of going and finding it someplace else, they're just going to pull back that money from the IRS. So that'll probably be a battle out there also. Um, looks like the Democrats don't want to do it, but the Republicans do. So we'll see how that kind of falls out as we go forward. Yeah, plenty of time to watch this one unfold. So at least we can spend <laughs> the holidays and the government employees and the people pushing 10 up there in the um, air traffic control towers will keep us safely uh, taxiing <laughs> and flying out of the air. I mean, they say that this Thanksgiving, which I can't believe is already here, this Thanksgiving yeah. is going to be record numbers of people traveling, and they almost didn't have enough money to pay the people keeping us safe. Exactly. So that would have been a disaster. Um, and again, probably, probably tomorrow um, you'll start to see the people moving around, and then a week from now um, when people are trying to come back, usually it doesn't it seem like a Sunday afternoons when everything goes nuts. Oh, yeah. Their, their computers crash, and then all the planes get delayed and canceled and it takes three days extra to get home so if you know you're I, in a, a, war, a warm spot that's great i guess <laughs> yeah I, I looked up a story and they said uh the worst days of traveling and they said well you know tuesday's pretty bad uh, wednesday's pretty bad monday's pretty awful uh as well uh but sunday is for like you said for the everyone everyone's flying out on monday tuesday wednesday but everyone's exactly. flying back on Sunday, so that'll be mm -hmm. just, you know, you just rent a car. And exactly. Hit the highway. <laughs> uh, 
Um, so we we don't really like to talk politics because we don't want to give no. off any sort of uh, impression that we're one way or another. But we can't not talk politics, especially <laughs> when what they're doing in Washington, D.C., is affecting what Moody's is doing. Now, Moody's hit us with a downgrade. We're going to talk about that in a second. But what, Jeff, is Moody's? I thought, you know, when you see, I thought Moody's was like a magazine or like a trade kind well, of thing. Well, they are. They're, they do that also. But they are also a rating company. So they go out and rate uh, corporations. They rate everything. And they give you their, their outlook where they're supposed to be nonpartisan. Um, so they pull all the data in, financial data, everything out there, and then they give a rating on a company. So the problem is, is last week, Moody's came out and they downgraded the outlook on the U.S. debt to negative from stable. And they claim it on political polarization. So basically, the deficit itself is huge. Nobody's addressing it. Um, I mean, nobody's honestly addressing it. So what Moody's is saying is we're going to downgrade you. So you go, how's that going to affect the average person listening? What what's it really mean to you? And it, it's not a direct correlation to your checking account or any of your investments, maybe, but it is maybe the bigger picture to foreign governments that buy our bonds um, or buy our U.S. dollars. Maybe make them sit back for a second and go, wait a minute, what's going on here? You know. They may go to another country, and typically the U.S. the U.S. dollar and our the U.S. bonds, government bonds, are are purchased by foreign governments because we have hypothetically. You laugh when I say this. We have some political stability. Yeah. Oh. <laughs> um, <laughs> so. I mean, in other countries, honestly, if you have an opponent running, they just they kill them yeah, um, yeah, right. you know, or do something crazy. Um, but here, it's not so much that crazy, but it, but it does give us that sense of stability. Um, and as long as the dollar is the, I'll call it the currency that's used globally, we should be okay. But what Moody's is saying, they don't like, they, they don't like what they see, big picture. And it's, and it's political polarization. And it's based on the deficit, and they do not see it getting any better. Yeah, and that deficit's been going up, up, up every year oh, yeah. since, you know, when, Jeff, looking back on it, you know, try to jog your memory, when did the deficit, because, you know, I was in high school at the time, but I remember someone said, oh, you know, Bill Clinton balanced exactly. the budget. Did, but a little smoke and mirror, but he's, I'll say that administration was probably one of the only ones that really did hypothetically balance it. Um, and it's kind of gotten out of control from there. Um, each administration has, you know, done crazy stuff. And then COVID, I mean, both parties are, I say guilty, not, you know, in a, in a guilty manner, but both parties added, I don't know what the number is, something like, $7.7 trillion to the deficit in a year and a half. And again, COVID-related, um, a lot of that saved a lot of people, saved a lot of companies. Um, you know, what would it look like if they didn't hand anything out? We probably wouldn't like what we see today. Yeah. But it kept the economy floating. So you go, okay, there's there's good deficits, and then there's bad deficits. The bridge to nowhere, you know, and the uh, like you said, the $7,000 toilet seats are not what you want to spend money on. <laughs> um, 
And again, that's a whole other debate today to say, you know, it goes off into the student loan, you know, forgiving the debt. You know, um, is that right or wrong? And then people, you know, on one side would say, well, hey, you gave all this money to companies. The company's response is, hey, we kept people employed, hypothetically. <laughs> um, so it, it gets deep. Um, but again, I think Clinton administration was the last administration that literally ran a true balanced budget mathematically. You know, little smoke and mirror like they all do. But um, And it just kind of gotten out of hand over the last ten years where it's yeah. just gotten crazy. So hmm. uh so that's what Moody's is doing. They're they're looking at our our deficit and yeah. they're making a, a shot call on that. So what uh, tell me how that works with foreign governments investing in the dollar. I mean uh, Jeff, I live out in Saint Charles, you know, I drive a seven year old car. I have one <laughs> child you know, I, I get most weekends off. Uh, how does Moody's downgrade, how would that end up hitting me ever? Well, it's a it's a long roundabout effect, but it probably wouldn't hit you directly. But it will hit you over the next couple of years if this downgrade stays where it's at, because it's going to add to even more of a deficit, which means the U.S. to attract foreign investors to the dollar or to U.S. bonds have to pay a higher interest rate um, as we go forward. So that's really the effect. It's a, it's kind of not like it's going to hit your pocketbook today or tomorrow, um, but it will kind of affect the big picture, big economic picture as we go down that path. Could it lead to a recession? It could. I mean, it could if they keep their outlooks bad. But again, you gotta you got to look at... Um, S&P, Standard & Poor's, um, came out. They were a rating company, too, and they had positive ratings on a few companies that ended up blowing up, like WorldCom. Um, <laughs> so you go, how accurate is that? I mean, again, it depends. Um, but they're supposed to look at it nonpartisan and look at the financials, what the you know, cash flow, all that, who, what the executives are doing, what, as they go forward. So gets kind of kind of funny um, at the end of the day, you know, just how accurate that is. But again, it's just kind of a, a signal that's put out there um, as you go forward to, to kind of tread tread cautiously, because it's not not terrible, but it went from stable to negative, and it's pure it's pure politics yeah. at the end of the day. All right. Well, that's where we're at today as far as the news is concerned. Um, we're going to get into some Social Security chat. We're going to talk about uh, a new thing that student uh, people with student debt can take advantage of if their company wants to get a nice tax break. They could get some, you know, I don't want to say free money alert, but <laughs> we'll ask Jeff if that's really what that means. And then in the next segment, we'll also talk about... Our credit card debt, massive credit card debt, not just in general, but I think they said that every person on an individual level has uh, their highest credit card debt that they've ever had. So yes. it's not like just 10 people are ra ringing it up. We're all <laughs> ringing it up. So exactly. what, what is the best way to pay that off? Should we look at uh, a HELOC, uh, taking money out of our house? Should we look at refinancing uh, our car loan what, 
what are some of the things we can do to try to tackle some of this debt? And should we pay off the lower interest rates first uh, or pay off the higher interest rates first? What should we do? Jeff will get into that with us on the other side of this commercial break. It is keep what's yours. And if you're paying a lower interest rate or transferring uh, credit cards to zero interest balances and taking advantage of what the government is offering, either through your employer or directly through you, you're able, Jeff, to keep more of your money. And that's the name of the game. That's the name of the book that Jeff wrote. That's the name of the show that we do every weekend. The idea is to keep a little bit more money and what you do with it, maybe reinvest it. That would be my idea. What you do yeah. with it is uh, up to you. And, and hopefully you're better off uh, this time next year just by listening to the show. Jeff Zufall, Senior Tax Strategist and Wealth Advisor with Capital Advisory Group. 636-394-5524 is the phone number. And we'll Keep What Yours continues with Josh Gilbert and Jeff Zufall. Back on the show, back to Keep What's Yours. If you like what you hear and you want to talk to Jeff a little bit further, we're going to talk uh, best ways to kind of pay down some of this credit card debt that we have and maybe just best ways to pay off some of our debt in general. But if you need help uh, either with your taxes, Jeff, or just with some financial advice or just do the whole rigmarole and say, Jeff, where should I put my money? Let's do this. Um, we yeah. always talk about this. Um We've done a whole show about this, frankly. Why is your tax guy or gal different from your money guy or gal? When you could do when your money guy could tell you to do something and then, you know, come April fifteenth, your tax guy goes, Why did you do that? Exactly. Yeah. That was a, what were you thinking? That yeah. was a terrible <laughs> idea. And the money guy, I mean, he doesn't do taxes. He frankly he ain't paying them, so why does he care what, what your exactly. tax implication is? Having the same person do both, Jeff would say, well, we're not doing that because over here on the tax side, you're going to get bit exactly. right in the butt. I hear the, the, hey, convert to a Roth. You know, it is the theme song of everybody to save your taxes, convert to a Roth. Um, but the question is, should you? And, and it's a mathematical equation. And in some cases, that's the best thing in the world for you. And in other cases, no, it's not. And and that's where you've got to take the conversion and move it over and put, place it on a tax return and say, hey, this is what it's going to cost you. Because most of them, I say advisors, will say, hey, here's your conversion. After you convert this 30000 50000 100000 you'll never pay tax on it ever again. Agree 100% with that. And then they project off into the future, and that you know, 50000 you converted is worth five million dollars just joking um right they, but the problem is is they didn't take the tax from the fifty thousand dollars that you converted they took it from they're assuming you're going to pay it out of your pocket or pay it from somewhere else and that's the biggest issue i have is then when i do a tax return and go hey guess what you owe five thousand dollars in tax by converting that they're like what what do you mean and it's my fault <laughs> yeah so versus being informed of that and knowing hey this is your tax liability at the end of the day so and that's one of that's the things why. and and i hate to point fingers or or oh, yeah. put any yeah. any you know mis misdeeds on anybody here but the the guy that or gal that wants you to do the roth conversion either doesn't know 
about the tax implication or doesn't care because they're not the they one that's kn- going to pay it? They know, but yeah, but they don't know exactly how much. So and their attitude is, hey, taxes aren't my problem. Whereas at the end of the day, if we're both, taxes are my problem because i got to walk you through that right. conversion. Here's what it's going to cost you. Here's what the Roth really does if you pay the tax from that Roth and go forward. And, so, and it, it's all about math, right? You always say math, pure always, math. Yeah, math always wins. Math. Uh, it's yes. just a simple <laughs> math equation. How much did you make this year? What's your tax bracket? If you took thirty grand out, are you going to bump up in tax brackets? Maybe only take out twenty-five. But does exactly. does the money guy ever sit down and say, "Hey, let's see what you've made so far this year. Let's look at your tax brackets. Um, are you going to get any windfalls? Do you expect a bonus at the end of the year?" They're they're probably not doing all of that, but your tax no. guy is. Yeah, exactly. So. Because at the end of the day, if the taxes are crazy, the first person you're going to yell at is us as the tax people. Yeah. And then most people are like, hey, you messed up my return. It's like, no, you can. You took money out of an IRA. You know, the improper amount was withheld. Um, and, and we have that conversation all the time. <laughs> and you, yeah, so. you say that everything that you do in life has a tax implication attached to it. Buying a house, buying a car, converting, getting paid every two weeks. There's that's the biggest tax implication. Um, Exactly. So this is the time of year actually to sit down with Jeff and say, you know, it's it's November. It's almost December. We've had 11 months of paychecks and, you know, we can't really anticipate anything out of the ordinary happening in this last month of the year. How much can I convert from my IRA to a Roth without getting, uh, you know, bumped up into a new tax bracket? Exactly. And you can do yeah. the math on that for us. Exactly. So. so we do it. We do it all. I mean, typically tax season's over, but now we're in the planning mode for the year, um, and we'll run the planning mode right up to December. Um, then January we go back into tax mode. <laughs> Yeah. So if you're interested in doing a Roth conversion before the end of the year, Jeff's your guy and he can sit you down and and say, this is how much we can reasonably take out and convert to Roth without, you know, really messing up our taxes uh, when we go to pay him on April 15th. So if Jeff is is uh, an option for you, which he's he's my option, he's my tax guy, he's my money guy. 636-394-5524, 636-394-5524, Capital Advisory Group, capitaladvisorygrp.com. Now, let's talk about debt, massive credit card debt, and all of the talk shows and the news shows and, what is it, Today, Good Morning America, yes. <laughs> whatever CBS is running. Um, I have seen so many stories about money dysmorphia, which... I, yeah. I had to kind of look it up. Basically, it's just, oh, are we money dysmorphic? When you have body dysmorphia, when you look in the mirror, you actually aren't seeing what you actually, you're seeing a, a distorted version of yourself. I, I want to say that that's kind of what happens uh, when yeah. you have maybe a developing eating disorder or something. Um, but money dysmorphia is basically, from my estimation, Jeff, is uh, people who really have no touch in reality with their money and their paychecks and they're just either going out and spending like crazy 
or they're hoarding their money because they're afraid that something terrible is going to happen. Exactly. We have people who have million dollars net worth that are the most frugal people on the face of the earth. And that's by, by choice. They're always afraid, hey, if I spend this, I'm going to run out of money. And my conversation with them on a regular basis is, you're fine. <laughs> yeah. Keep spending. Stay within a budget, but keep spending. You're okay. Um, and that's one side of the equation. The other side of the equation, those are probably the two extremes. I'd rather is have someone, that first problem. Exactly. Is someone who literally says, I got $1,000 in my checkbook. I'm going to go spend it. And, and, and mentally, you know what I mean? It's human nature to go, hey, I want that, and that looks cool. I'll buy that. Uh, like we were just talking off the air about uh, how expensive it is to go out to eat. Um, you know, you used to say, ooh, it's starting to get really expensive. Maybe I have to limit that to two times a week or maybe once every other week. Um, but the, the individual that just keeps doing it and doing it and doing it, and, you know, you $1,000 shows up, you spend 999 of it, and then you wait for the next 1000 bucks to show up. So it's, those are the two extremes, and there's a bunch in the middle of that. But it's typically, and we ask these people, we ask people all the time, what is your relationship with money? And they look at us like we have three eyes. And what we mean by that is, are, are you a saver or a spender? <laughs> um, do, you, do you have a budget? Um, you would be amazed at the number of people who do not have a budget, who think, well, my electric bill is around 200 a month, um, or you know, my house payment is around 800 a month. A budget pretty much puts that in perspective to say, here's what it takes for you to f you wake up on the first of the month. It's going to take you X dollars by the 31st of the month. That's what you're going to spend just to survive. But the key is, is you build in all those, those wants. The needs are, you know, the car payment, the house payment, the utilities, um, you know, all that fun stuff. But the, the need, the, that's your needs. The wants are going to dinner, going to those concerts. Um, you know, traveling, uh, fancy car, all that kind of stuff, those are more wants than, than the true needs. And a lot of people ignore the needs, and that, that's where they end up in trouble. Um, <clears throat> and they're saying that I believe it's seven, every, they're saying that the average person has, uh, average person has $7,486 in credit card debt. And they're saying that's just average. So, and it's jumped 15% from 2021, and that's, and that's the largest jump in 20 years. And you say, why is that happening? It's got a lot to do with inflation. Um, I pretty much will say it's got everything to do with inflation. And to go grocery shopping, we've discussed this in the past. Um, every time you go grocery shopping, it costs more and more and more. And that's inflation. That's real inflation. Now, if you take the Fed's concept on inflation they say it's 4.3 um but a year ago it was nine something so their numbers are i say padded uh to be nice um it, it, there's no way inflation true inflation for you to function during the the, the week is 4.3 percent there's no way that's x food and oil and one of the calculations that was in the cpi that just came out this last week and made, somebody made a comment on it. It was on medical insurance, um, health care, basically. And it reflected that it was a negative 34% year over year. And the question is, anybody that has paid attention to their medical insurance 
healthcare coverage, basically, cost of healthcare coverage, there's no way that it's down 34%. Impossible. So what this gentleman was explaining is they changed their calculation method. It's now based upon the profitability of the health insurance companies, not on your month-to-month health premium cost. So you go, wow, they didn't like the number that they saw, so they changed it. <laughs> oh, yeah. Oh, okay. I didn't know you could do that. Um, yeah, I guess technically you can. <laughs> yeah. But they, they did it in the 80s, and they adjusted uh, basically the inflation, the true inflation, the 4.3, I think it's 4.35 is what they say it is currently. That is X, food, and oil. And those are the two things we talk about this all the time. Those are the two things that you use every day. Yeah, they um, they take oil and food out of the inflation equation, but that's the only thing that we actually have to buy every yes. week. So, <laughs> yes. you know, and those prices are skyrocketing. You know, uh, what did we say? Exactly. It, it was last year, but you know, it still hasn't really gotten that much better at the grocery store, but. They they took an average of compared what I bought today to my receipt for the same things last year, and everything was up fifteen twenty percent. Everything, mm-hmm. everything. So and that yep. so that's the true inflation when you go to the grocery store. Yeah, that's that's where the that's where the dollar meets the dollar. <laughs> yeah. But I, I've always said, Jeff, you know, if if they raise the cost of Doritos 50 cents, I'm still going to buy them. Um, you know, I'm not looking well, at, at the price tag of everything. But I went to Taco Bell the other day, not to single them out because everybody's doing it. I got four things, and it was 18 bucks. I'll tell you right yeah. now, <laughs> I'm not going back, you know. No. They, it, if it, I, it, I just it, hit my pain point. Exactly. And, and I think most of these corporations are doing that where there is a calculation on a pain point, um, and they've done the calc. They know what that threshold, that top limit is, and they're going to try and push it. Um, I'm sure they do it through all kinds of surveys and stuff that they, you know, that they do big picture. But at the end of the day, it's pure inflation, um, and I think that's what's driving up the credit card debt in general. Because you have a budget, if you have a budget, um, you spend your budget, you go, ooh, what do we do? you got to put it on a credit card, um, and you go from there. So, and again, then when you get into this, this calculation, then, uh, you know, Christmas is coming up. Everybody goes, ooh, we got to, you know, go buy all the stuff for Christmas. Again, our economy is based on consumption. It is not based on savings. Um, you haven't seen a savings rate um, which is the M1, M5, M3 calculations. You haven't seen that move in years. Um, and everything is based upon how much do we consume on an annual basis, weekly basis. So <clears throat> that's the other reason why we're you know, facing what we're facing. So, again, let's say that you have this debt or you will have this debt um, you know, once the Christmas season is over with. You know, how do you take care of it? How do you pay it down? Um, and again, that's where, depending, I mean, we can help people walk through this, help you do the math, because this is pure math. Um, so you do either the snowball effect or the avalanche. Um, avalanche sounds cooler, but it takes longer to get there. And the snowball seems, you know, debt snowball seems pretty boring and, and vague. But the snowball effect is take the smallest 
credit card balance that you have, if you write all your debts down on a piece of paper, and this doesn't have to be anything fancy, write it on a, a piece of notebook paper, say what card it is and what the balance is, um, and roll through. And then write to the side what your actual interest rate is on that card. Um, then go in there and pick the lowest card balance. No matter what the interest rates are, just the lowest card balance. And you apply is pay the minimums on everything else and apply whatever extra money you have to that smallest account balance. And then when that one's paid off, you take that money plus the minimum payment that you're making to the other one, and you snowball it, and it rolls forward. So you'll get some, I say, quick wins out of a, the snowball effect. Quick wins within you know, a couple months, you got it taken care of, everything's great, and it looks really good. The problem is you still got massive debt sitting there. The avalanche works the reverse. You take the highest one, and you work on knocking it down. When it is actually knocked down, it avalanche you, you propels you forward quick. The problem is it may take you 18 months, two years on the avalanche, and you really don't see any progress until that thing is knocked down. Whereas a snowball, you see these little wins quickly. So yeah. that's that's two scenarios on paying down credit card debt. And, and the other one, yeah, oh, go ahead. Oh, the other one would be maybe some type of a consolidation. They have personal loans out there that you can get. You're starting to see some advertisement for that on companies that you like SoFi and companies like this you've never heard of before. And it's because more and more people are going, wow, I got a problem. And it's not that you have a spending problem. It's you have an inflation problem is what the issue is. <clears throat> so these, these I'll say, consolidation, yes, they may charge you 14% or 18% for these notes, but you take all your credit card debt and plop it in there and pay them all off at one time. Um, and then it's consolidated to one company and you make a monthly payment to them for a few years. The issue we see is a lot of people do that and then two years, three years down the road, they not only have the consolidation load debt oh, they're no. still paying on. No, their credit cards the are credit back. Cards. Yeah, oh, and so no. it's kind of you shoot yourself in the foot on that one. So be very careful. If you have the discipline, to maybe cut up the card, don't close them, but cut them up, just leave them there, um, you'd be okay. But we see that, especially in today's environment. Um, you see inflation creeping in, and it costs more and more and more to function on a regular basis. So, so the way I see the snowball working is uh, if I have three cards, and I'm just paying the minimum on all three of them, three, uh, 100 bucks a piece, so that's 300 bucks. Mm -hmm. um, I take a... a a, you know, some dedication on my part and just try to hammer out, maybe pay 200 bucks on the lowest, Exactly. maybe pay 300 yep. bucks on the lowest, knock that out. And now all of a sudden I freed up a hundred bucks and now I'm paying exactly. 200 bucks on the next lowest card. Mm -hmm. And then I can, exactly. you know, start knocking things down. And that's the way my wife is looking at this. We got a Jeff, we got 1% interest rate on a refinance car loan. And she's paying that off as quick as she can. And I'm like, no. whoa, whoa, yeah. you know, what's your credit <laughs> card uh, you know, percentage rate? 18 right now? You know, why well, are you paying anyway. off the lowest rate? But she's, um, she's trying to do the snowball. She just said, I want this payment out of my life. Well, and that's, and that's true. A lot of people, I see a lot of people, they just don't want the payments. Um, I, I understand that. But, again, look at it from what is the – a credit card is going to cost you 
I think the probably one of the best rates out there today might be like six, I think six eight, six five, somewhere in that range, because the interest rates have every time the Fed raises rates, there's probably a thirty day reflection, you know, and and the credit card rate goes up. Um, and then the, one of the issues is if you miss a payment, like we talked about, the penalty rate kicks in. So not only do you get stuck with a thirty or fifty dollar late fee, depending upon what card it is. Um, but then you get hit with the highest interest rate out there. So, again, if you paid the card off every month, that's not an issue, and who cares? But the problem is if you carry a balance, I mean, these things can go. I think the penalty rate's 29.99. I mean, that's expensive, um, super expensive. Um, So that's the other side is to make sure that that gets paid down or paid off because it's going to start costing you a lot of money. If you ever go to make a payment on a, a minimum payment on a credit card, it typically will pop up if you're paying it online. It will pop up the little window, and it says, hey, if you're only paying this minimum, they do a calculation, and it's going to take you 22.5 years to pay this thing off. That's part of the not that the, insure, that the, uh, uh, the credit card companies, out of the kindness of their heart, want to make sure you understand that. I think that's like a federal scenario where they forced them to put it on yeah. there. So if you're doing the minimum, it's going to show you, it takes you forever to pay it off. Yeah, the or, government's saying, hey, cases, yeah, let's remind these yeah. people to pay a little bit more than just the bare minimum. Exactly. Um, and again, the interest rates are, if you have, take your credit card statement, go to the second page, second or third page on there, it's going to have a giant box in the center of the page, and it says, here's what your cash advance rate is, here's your your regular rate, um, here's your penalty rate, and they'll give you all of those. And typically the cash, I've seen a few statements, the cash advance rate is basically the penalty rate. So that means if you took a cash advance on your credit card, they're going to stick you for the highest possible interest rate out there. Mm. And the problem is, is most people, it will take, it will take a while to get credit card debt taken care of. Now, yes, you could play the game where you basically do debt settlement, um, but that destroys your credit for a while, maybe a couple years. Um, debt settlement is where you go and say, hey, I owe you five grand um, on this credit card, but I'll pay you $1,000. Um, and if they accept it, it's basically you also get into this weird cancellation of debt. Um, so if you ever do a debt settlement like that, the difference on what you did not pay is a taxable income to you. So a lot of people like go and say, hey, I got $20,000 of credit card debt. I'm just going to settle for $5,000. That $15,000 difference that you got out of paying, the credit card companies will issue what's called a 1099C, which is a cancellation of debt, and that $15,000 is taxable income to you since you got out of paying it. Oh, wow. So, yeah. Yeah, so the cancellation of debt is an issue on the, the, on the settlement side. Um, it could sneak up and, and be substantial. So I'd rather owe the credit card company money than the IRS, honestly. Yeah, I was going to say, the debt's <laughs> exactly. gone, but the taxes are still there. The taxes exactly. will always be yeah. there, death yes. and taxes. <laughs> Even in death, I think yes. <laughs> it mm-hmm. might still follow you to the grave. Now, um it's it's one of these things where it sounds insane to even say with mortgage interest rates being what it is, but if you got cash in your house, would you think about maybe doing a cash out refi to pay off? Uh, exactly. You know, yes. Fourteen percent. Fourteen percent 
credit card debt is a lot higher than 8% uh, on your mortgage. Exactly. Now, the only thing you have to be careful is you're now tying your, your primary residence into your debt, in a sense. So if you don't make the credit card payments, yes, they're going to nail you with the highest interest rate, late fees, but if you can't make the payment for your house, it's a different story. Yeah. Um, so just be careful in that regard to that payment isn't big enough. And most of the banks are, are you know, back in, what, two, prior to 2008, if you were breathing, the banks would loan you money. Um, they didn't care, even if you couldn't pay it back. Today they're a lot more strict, so they're going to make sure pretty much that you could pay it back. But that would help a ton. Yeah. Now, again, from a tax angle on that, um, if you do a cash-out refi and it is not used 100% for uh, in capital improvements to that property that you own, okay, you can't deduct the interest. So in the past, if you had a primary house, a secondary house, or, or a secondary line of credit going, but the line of credit was to go buy a car, pay credit card debt off, pay some tuition, in the past, you could write both of those off. In today's environment, the cash out has, would have had to be a new kitchen, you know, a room addition, some siding, whatever. It would have to be a capital improvement to that primary residence to be able to deduct both of the interest that you pay for the primary house and this line of credit. So you got to be careful on that. Um, a lot of people just say, oh, hey, I paid here's my my first and here's my second and the question we have is would you use the second for <laughs> yeah you know and if it was to pay tuition buy a car um whatever piece that was used for actually capital improvements to the primary residence then you get to take that deduction and then you got to start this spreadsheet so that you know what the percentages were broken off going forward over time. So. And, and this is the perfect example to what we were saying uh, earlier in that if you go to Jeff and you say, what's the best way to consolidate my debt to try to pay some of this off? Should I do a cash out refi? Should I do a HELOC? Jeff can tell you all of the, the tax benefits that can come your way if you do do uh, capital improvements to your home, you know, exactly. you, you yeah. can you can sit there and say this is financially sound and it's tax wise. Uh, exactly. sound. So that's why you kind of want to have your money person, your financial advisor also be uh, your tax guy as well. And that's what Jeff is for me. And that's what Jeff can be for you. 636-394-5524 Capital Advisory GRP dot com. Capital Advisory Group, Jeff Zufall. He's my tax guy. Uh, he's my money guy. He can be yours as well. Let's go to commercial break and wrap up this show with a couple more hits from the news. Jeff Zufall, thank you so much for going through. Um, you know, how to pay, what's the smartest way to pay off? Is it the avalanche for you? Is it the snowball? Or is it debt consolidation? as uh, taking out maybe a personal loan and, and consolidating debt that way. A lot of options out there, and, and for every individual, uh, I'm sure it's completely different, but sitting down with Jeff, he can go through it with you and try to pick the right option. Let's go to break, Jeff, and when we come back, we'll wrap this show up. 636-394-5524, Capital Advisory G. Keep What's Yours continues with Josh Gilbert and Jeff Zufall. 
Back on the show, back to keep what's yours with Jeff Zufall, Senior Tax Strategist and Wealth Advisor with Capital Advisory Group. 636-394-5524. Jeff, every time you come in and you say, oh, I've got news on student loan debt, I'm like, whoa, whoa, stop the presses, tell me more. My wife has student loan debt and like it literally is keeping her up at night. Um, yes. You know, you talk money, dysmorphia. Uh, I think she would be, I'd be in the category of, hey, we got money, let's spend it. She's in the category of we need to save as much as possible for a rainy day. But there is a new plan uh, working with your employer to maybe have the employer pay off some of these student loans. What's this all about? Yeah, it's kind of hidden to the side. Uh, A lot of people don't pay attention to it, but this could be done through small employers. This could be done through big employers. Just a lot of people don't even know if they have this benefit or they don't. They haven't approached their, their boss or HR to say, hey, what about this? But what it is is basically after all these years of the pause in the student loan you know, payment, interest payments, and so on, um, the Department of Education offered these programs, you know, like the, the income-driven repayment options, and then basically this. And so the example is, it's up to $5,250 per employee per year, okay? Um, it's, technically, it is not taxed to the employee, but the employer could actually write that off. So what's taking place is your employer is actually writing a check for up to $5,250 to your student loan provider and helping, and they take a deduction for it. You don't have to pay tax on it, and in, in, I think most cases there's of uh, oddball few, but it's actually what they reference as educational assistance, um, and it's a formal, I call it written educational assistance program that is sponsored by the employer. Um, it, you know, there's there's income limits on it. Um, you know, when you get in all the weird, uh, all the IRS stuff has some income limits, but this is a way that your employer could help knock down your student loan debt as you go forward. Um, and you don't have to, you know, go work for the Peace Corps and, you know, a third world country for 10 years, you know, or anything crazy like that. It's just part of what takes place. So small employers and big employers could Im- implement this to help their employees out. And so the, the way I'm seeing it, and obviously the way the tax code is written, um, you know, it, it gets a little funky here and there. Uh, yeah. There are some limits and everything, but the way I see it, the, this administration, current administration, just wanted to give individuals ten grand off, you know. Exactly. And then the <laughs> shouts came out: "We are uh, at record deficits. We, you know, owe money up to our ears, and we're going to start handing out ten thousand dollars in student loan forgiveness. You know, who's going to pay for it? I understand that completely. So now, I guess somebody had the idea of well, rather than just handing people cash." to pay off their student loans will give their employers a tax exactly. break. So, yes. you know, for instance, the big 550 is uh, got a tax bill and they're going to have to pay, you know, $5,000 in taxes. Well, they could give it to me. Well, I, it doesn't even touch me, right? They, they give it, it straight, straight. Yeah, straight to the provider. Straight to the provider, five grand to help me pay off my student loans and that $5,000 tax bill goes away. So yeah. the employer is given the option. Do you want to pay $5,000 in taxes 
You know, this this is the federal government. You got to pay your taxes. Or do you want to pay it in the form of giving it back to your employee to help them pay off their student loan debt? Exactly. Now, if I'm uh, an employer, I'd rather look like, you know, the good guy here in the eyes of my employee and just say, hey, I just gave you five grand in student loan repayment forgiveness, uh, you know, so next time I ask you to work on a Saturday, you're going to say yes. Yeah. <laughs> Whereas if yeah. I just gave it to the federal government, I get, I get nothing in return. Exactly. Exactly. So it, it caps out at $5,250 per employee, um, you know, per year. And then basically the way it is is it's an employee benefit, so it actually will show up. That 5250 shows up as a uh, benefit in box 12 of your W-2. Um, and then the employee, it could be for one person. It could be for, you know, a, a hundred if you wanted to do it. But, again, there's a, it's what's called a, um, a written educational assistant program that is sponsored by the employee um, for the benefit of the, or I'm sorry, sponsored by the employer for the benefit of the employees. But they just, you need something in writing saying, hey, we're going to do this. Um, and even this goes back to stuff like in COVID where when COVID was a real, I say a real thing, um, you could take an employer could pay the employees $2,000 or somewhere in that range. Um, the employee, and it was for COVID assistance, the employees did not have to pay tax on it. They didn't have to report it other than just a little line item on their W-2. And then the employer could take a deduction for it. So um, kind of going down that same path, seeing if they could help people pay off their loans. That's the, that's the key. So, Well, that's interesting. And, and the first thing I guess we do now is we just go back to our employer and say, are you guys going to participate in this? Exactly. Could you help uh, us out? Yeah. And, and how do Mr. I? Dorsey's going to say, absolutely not. Yeah, he's going to go, good luck. <laughs> nice try, Josh. <laughs> but, so, uh, but, I mean, if, if uh, like some of these employers, if they have a lot of younger employees that everybody's got student loan debt, I mean, uh, they could help out their employees tremendously by paying this. Um, even if it's not 5000 if they give you $500, I mean, you know, that. Even at five hundred dollars, you'd say thank you. You know. So, yeah. Oh yeah. I mean, free money is yeah. is free money. So, um, and there is obviously no free money. The government is footing the bill on this. Yeah. In the way of not <laughs> no getting their fair thing. share, their full tax uh, payment. But this is a way for employers uh, to help out their employees, and and I love it. So uh, go to your HR departments and say, do you have a save repayment uh, plan for student loan mm-hmm. debt? And see what they say. And, right. and it's an agreement that's put, it's a two-page document that's put together. Um, just because you can't do these, it has to be a, I'll say, formal plan yeah. that is in writing, um, that sits in a file folder, but just so that everybody knows what's going on. Yep. All right. Well, Jeff, that'll do it for us. And if you've got student loan debt and you have more questions, that, whoa, what else can I take advantage of? You know, this is what I love about the show. This is what we try to tell people every single week. There are things out there for you to take advantage of, and unless you listen to this show or you read the tax code yourself, you'd never even know about them. So exactly, they're just sitting there. Going and talking to Jeff, you're probably going to be, you know, saving money, keeping more money 
in your bank accounts using all the things that, that Jeff has in his arsenal, and, and Jeff's just using what the federal government has written into the tax code, you'll be keeping more of your money in no time. 636-394-5524, Capital Advisory Group, CapitalAdvisoryGRP.com. Jeff, thank you so much. Thank you. See you next week. You've been listening to Keep What's Yours with Josh Gilbert and Jeff Soufal, Senior Tax Strategist and Wealth Manager at Capital Advisory Group. To learn more, call 636-394-5524 or visit CapitalAdvisoryGRP.com.